96 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It's January 10th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? Uh, it's a lot warmer than it is in Minneapolis today. Woo! That's not difficult, because if you're above zero, you're already off to a decent start. It's crazy <laughs> out there. We'll actually hit on a little bit of football uh, I- toward the end of the episode. But uh, I want to remind everybody to follow us on Twitter, at Sporer, at Jason Collette, C-O-L-L-E-T-T-E, all one word, of course, uh, or else you're going to be following a Canadian singer-songwriter if you leave off the extra E. Is that right? That's right. And, and listen, he's a good dude, but he's not going to give you any baseball tips unless they pertain to the Expos. He doesn't even know that they left yet, so don't go to him for the uh, for the information there. Go to our It would be awesome if we found out he was a fantasy baseball player and listened. What if he was great? He's just like a really dope fantasy player, too. He's like, ah, actually- well, What if he's actually placed in a national competition? What, what like if- NFBC, and everybody's like, oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, man, really? Yeah, they, they congratulate you. You're like, I actually didn't play this year i did i did not get third overall also, i just found out that he is up for the ongoing baseball column see for fswa not by the me. way congratulations uh we were talking about this with eno because they were kind of coming out as we were recording congratulations on your nomination i believe this is the second year in a row that you're being nominated um i think it was last year or i two, forget but either way you got you have a two things up the starting pitcher guide and um Something else, and but not article. this podcast, which really upsets me. Hey, we're gonna change that. 2016, it's happening. Don't even, don't even sweat it. In fact, rate and review us on iTunes. We have 219 reviews, four and a half stars. I mean, come on, that's pretty great. I know we gotta get that. Yeah, extra we would have been 4.6. Maybe you had a nomination. That's true. I think that's too the many cutoff. football podcasts. That was the problem. It happens. It happens. But they need to split them up: baseball and football. We're winning the 2016 award. Uh, it's, it's just that's all there is to it. Don't sweat it. Uh, but we have some notable transactions to discuss. It's been pretty slow. You know, Eno and I got a few that we could talk about. Casimir, Maeda, um, Alex Gordon re-signed. It's, it's, a, it's a little slow trickle. I think there will be one more burst and then uh, back to trickling. Right now we're still kind of in the, in the trickle phase. We got a nice little trade, though, pretty impactful for fantasy. As if the American League needed another uh, prime back-end reliever. <laughs> the Blue Jays went out and got Drew Storen in, a, in a, essentially one for one. I think there was either some cash or maybe a player to be named as well. But for our purposes on fantasy, it's a one for one. Drew Storen for Ben Revere. So we're going to start with Storen because what this probably means is that Roberto Osuna isn't going to close. Something that... There was some concern about coming in. We just didn't know, you know, what are their plans with him? Very young pitcher, came up as a starting prospect. There's no reason that he can't still try to start, and I think that they are committed to doing that in some form or fashion, although they're going to have to be creative with uh, with Osuna. He just doesn't have a lot of innings as a pro. He's 21 years old. It's going to have to be kind of a slow situation. I recommended that they do the Chris Medlin 2012 deal where he had 54 relief innings and then finished the season with those 12 brilliant starts. But what, sure. what do you think about Osuna now that he's likely? They haven't. I don't think they've said anything yet, but that he's likely to lose the role. I mean, my issue, we talked about this yesterday on SiriusXM um, when I was on the Rotowire show. My concern is because he's so young, you really have to watch his workload. You can't just say, okay, we want to see what he does as a starter and stretch him out and take him to 170, you know, 170 innings, 160 innings. I mean, this should be a long-term play. He's going to be 21. You know, let him 
you know, slow it down a little bit. You've got enough. You've got some arms there. Slow it down a little bit in 2016. Be judicious because you just cannot. It's just I'm trying to look at uh, his overall inning load. Yeah, I don't. It's think just they can take to me. It's him, just too much. They can't even take him to like 150 for Osuna. No, I don't think you can take him over 125. Here are his seasons. First off, they signed him super young out of Mexico. He was playing right. pro ball. Actually, got a little taste of Triple A. Uh, oh, oh, pardon me, pardon me. That was the Mexican League at 16. Then he got signed age 17 and, and, and made the normal uh, trek up, but only 44 innings in his first pro year with Toronto at age 17. Yep. Then 42 the next year for Osuna. Then 23, yep. injuries crept up in that season. And then last year, 70 plus whatever he got in the playoffs. We just don't have a lot of workload from Roberto Osuna. So multi-inning reliever, I think, is a great role for him this year. And he can still be highly impactful for the club, too, because if you're kind of fronting the, the, the bullpen, with him and he's the bridge because you know they don't have a ton of great starters i love marcus stroman definitely he's great but ra dickey marco estrada jay hab uh, aaron sanchez currently listed as a fifth starter it's mm-hmm. not like you're getting seven a night from those dudes you can get seven eight from dickey every night but then estrada hap sanchez if they can only go five then you do two for osuna cecil chavez delabar Aaron Loop, you know, play your matchups and then store to close. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I really like that, the, the kind of lineup, because I, I, I like storing quite a bit. I just think he's Osuna and, and Michael Taylor are the big losers in this deal. Exactly. Unfortunately, uh, and it's always it, it frustrates us as fantasy players when youth when these guys don't play the youth that we have in Dynasty Leagues. But let's understand Osuna threw 1,091 pitches last year. That's 10 starts. 10 to 12 starts. Wow. Right? Yeah. 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 1,091, 10 to 12 starts. That's how many pitches he. So if you're going to put him in the rotation, it, he's going to burn through that. Then then you worry about just the, the increased workload. I mean, Osuna is honestly somebody in, in a reset league. He is end game. He's an end game pick for me. I mean, his value just went in the toilet for an end game. And, it and really does. Dynasty league, keeper league, different story. Reset league, his value's gone. Maybe in a dynasty league, I go out and try to buy, since this is kind of bad news, it takes him out of the the uh, a fantasy viable role. Now you go out and buy, hope, hoping that the prices come down a little bit and you could have yourself a starter. And then worst case, I think they would just go back to him as closer. Although you got to be careful if you do the back and forth thing, you're going to have Neftali Feliz, Joe Chamberlain, yep. you know. It can go sideways, so they've got to be smart here, but it does look like Osuna's done. Storin's going to close. You mentioned Michael A. Taylor out in Washington. Let's talk about the Revere piece uh, between those two. So Revere's going to come in, be the primary center fielder. Now, the one thing that we talked about with Dusty Baker, we've we've tried to come back, give him a little bit of credit to get rid of the uh, runs – uh, arms ragged, runs young arms ragged reputation. Mm-hmm. He earned that in Chicago, but I think he kind of shed it in Cincinnati. So I feel like we're, we're giving him credit for moving on for that. The one spot where we do kind of hammer him is his uh, favoritism toward veterans, really trusts vets over youth. And I doubt we'll see, you know, Trey Turner starting from the jump. I, I just, I can't envision it. They're going to let Danny Espinosa try to try to get it done or maybe get somebody else. Um, and then now we see it with Michael Taylor. He was looking like yep. he was going to be the center fielder, maybe leadoff hitter. And now it's Ben Revere. And, you know, Taylor's going to have struggle to get playing time because I just feel like that's going to be the situation with Baker. He's going to favor somebody like Revere, uh, especially because he kind of does things that 
you know, old school type managers like he's speedy. He can, he can track it down in center field, make some nice flash plays, uh, makes a ton of contact. I mean, he had, Ben Revere does have attributes. I don't want to pretend that he's terrible. And Michael Taylor's very raw. So this might not even be the wrong move for, for right. Baker. We're just saying, like you said at the outset, it kind of bums us out from a fantasy aspect because we want to see what somebody like Taylor with a power speed combo could do. But first, how do you feel about Revere in Washington? I mean, you said it months ago when, when the Dusty Baker thing came in. You said, man, it's going to suck because he's not going to play Trey Turner. And then, you know, we didn't we weren't even thinking down this route because we thought possibly the Nationals will be moving an outfielder, not acquiring one. Because <laughs> you're looking at it and say, OK, we've got a lot of guys on paper here. What are we going to do? We've got the Worth Albatross contract. We've got Harper. They've got Taylor in center field. Maybe they get a veteran to help uh, just in case. And now they've got a veteran that's going to take over that job and he's going to lead off. My favorite tweet of the week was like, there are fans in the, in the stands that throw home run balls back closer to the infield than Revere does. Uh, you know, that's, that's really the only thing I can't get over with him. I mean, things are the gap, uh, you know, got base runners taking extra bases yeah, and whatnot. That that's base. always the knock against him. But him at the top of the lineup, if you go back and look at all the arguments that I was making for Denard Span last year, when he was in this situation, put it Revere then. You know, Revere, he's going to run. He's got Rendon if he's healthy. He's got Harper behind him. He's got a good lineup behind him, so he should be able to score a lot of runs. Dusty Baker does like to run. Absolutely. And Revere does stay healthy. I think a lot of people are pointing last year to, you know, once he got traded over to Toronto, he just didn't run. I don't think that was his fault. That was John Gibbons saying, dude, you've got a lot of thunder behind you. Stay put. I was going to say, hey, we don't want them being pitched around. Stay put. And it just like he stopped running and it was an injury. That was all manager manager philosophy. No, because he was playing well. Otherwise, I think if there was injury, yeah. it would have showed up elsewhere in his game. And you're right. And it is manager philosophy. And I think that that's something that we forget so often. We judge guys based completely on their raw speed or we get surprised when maybe a middling speed guy, uh, you know, has 20 bags, you know, like a Chris Bryant or something, but we know Joe Madden runs Anthony Rizzo. They're going to they're going to be able to run. Uh, you know, you got to kind of know what managers are going to do. Dusty Baker is not averse to running. And I honestly think that that could translate well for somebody like Rendon and even Harper. They might end up getting uh, more bags than we expect when they have a manager who's more willing to do it. Now, We'll say, hey, maybe we don't want them running because of the potential risk of injury. But when they're healthy and playing at their best, Rendon was a 21 homer, 17 steal guy two years ago. And honestly, I, I think in our heart of hearts, uh, you got to know that Harper could go out there and and easily steal 25 if he if he wanted, if he wanted. He stole right. 18 in his rookie year, 11 the next year, and then just eight in the two years uh, combined, 2014, 2015. So of course, as his the power has developed, he usually slows down, but. Maybe Dusty Baker gives him a little bit more of a, a green light. And even 15 stolen bases from somebody like Harper with everything else that he's doing mm -hmm. would just send his value through the roof, the return on investment right. that he'd be getting from him. And this is it for – when you look at Revere last year, 388 plate appearances in 96 games with the Phillies, 24 stolen bases. 246 plate appearances in 56 games, just seven. seven. And he and he was getting on base. His on base percentage with the Phillies was 334. It was 354 with Toronto. And he just stopped running, yep. which sucked for me because I bought him in Talwars Wars looking for stolen bases, and he stole seven. That's the uh, so spot. you know when you look at, but even overall that he still stole 31 bags last year. You, that's not what you drafted him for. But he's had this you know this even odd year thing, even years 40 stolen bases, odd years below 40. 
2016 is an even year. Now the Giants are going to win the World Series, and, <laughs> and Ben Revere is going to steal 40 bags. <laughs> I, I, I think we can put those two in, in, in ink. I agree with you on Revere, though. I do think that you know there's no real rhyme or reason to it, but I do think he's going to keep that trend going and, and, and get up over four, uh, 40 bags this year, even if he keeps, you know, as long as it's like 330 with the LBP, it doesn't have to be great. If he can somehow maintain that 354 that he had with uh, Toronto, now you're really talking, and he could be looking toward maybe uh, 95, 100 runs as well. So like both of the players moved there, uh, their, their value – Increased, I would say, for both of them because uh, even though Revere was a part of that lineup in Toronto, if he wasn't going to be running, this move actually helps him. You mentioned Span earlier. Let's talk about him. Denard Span signs with San Francisco, I believe, on a three-year deal. Going to play center, or probably he's he said, "Listen, I told them I'll play where, wherever they want me to. If that if they think that's center, great. I'm super down for it. If they think that's left, I'll move over there. Great." So. That doesn't really affect too much for us on the fantasy landscape because even if you do use the left, center, right, he's got center qualification from last year. So let's talk about Denard Span, the hitter, and how it's going to look in San Francisco. What do you think of him? Um, I don't like this situation as much as I liked things last year. And with that Nationals lineup, when we looked at him, we, th- you know, we talked about how he was coming in much cheaper than Ben Revere and how the upside was there for him because he does like to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, And they, the lineup behind him was going to be good. Well, then he got hurt and missed a ton of time. And then the lineup behind him was all pretty much hurt except for Harper. And that really affected his value. Now, going to San Francisco, you know, it's not like what he's, what he's surrounded with is going to be a, a tremendous offensive lineup. And we're looking at him setting the table for Joe Panic, Matt Duffy, and Buster Posey, and Brandon Belt behind him. It's good, but it's not great. It's not where we thought he was last year with the Nationals. So uh, you know, if, if he's healthy, I, I'm looking at you know 20 20 ish steals. Uh, and but he does know how to get on base, so that's always going to help his runs. I think he's good for you know 85 90 runs and 20 steals and a pretty good batting average. But you know that's it. Obviously, there's there's nothing else. He's a he's a three category player for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not, you're not getting any sort of power contribution uh, or, or even some sneak tip ribbies out of him. Although the one thing about that San Francisco lineup, like you said, it's not stacked up at the top, but it's pretty deep because after belt Pence Crawford Pagan, that's, you know, that's a solid six, seven, eight. And then of course the pitcher. So maybe he does a little bit better in RBIs than we normally expect from span. Again, that's not going to mean anything more than like 60, but you know, 15, 20 more than what we've been seeing out of him recently. So maybe that part of the lineup changeover is what helps him. The depth. It's the, the base running is really good. You look over the last three years, we're talking about a guy that has 62. He's 62 of 75 in stolen base attempts wow. over the past three seasons. So, I mean, that's a 83%. solid. 83%. Yeah. And we did league average is around 72. So he's better than the league average, but he's 62 of 75. And he's uh, uh, 42 of 49 over the past two years. He's really good. I, I think Span, obviously, we know the one issue with him is health. But if he's on the field, put him in your lineup. Nice well, the, you know, the, If we look at it, if we go and, and check him out to see where ADP is, Ben Revere is currently right there at 100, and Span is at 300. Wow. So we're kind of right back to where we were last year. Yeah. If, you're drafting, if you're drafting these two guys, when you're drafting these two guys, it's pretty much for the same categories. You want runs, you want steals, you want batting average. Are you willing to pay full price for Ben Revere or are you willing to get him at a serious discount? I know, uh, you know, you were talking, I saw you tweet earlier about Jonathan scope and I forgot the picture you said that are just like, yeah, or just stupid values. Well, here's another stupid value. And I was saying it last year, hopefully it doesn't get hurt and make me look stupid, but Denard span at 300 
25 days a week over Ben Revere at 100. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Couldn't agree more. I know we just spoke well of Revere, but it's all about cost. Uh, yeah, I was I was talking about scope and Rysel Glacius as uh, wide awake sleepers. I wrote a piece about wide awake sleepers a while ago, but uh, now I'm terming them insomniacs. So I, that, that's when you got a guy who's Shout a sleeper time. that everybody's in on. That that that's an insomniac because he, yeah. he can't sleep. He, he, everyone knows about him. Catatonic, maybe that's somebody who's like soup. Maybe that's Spawn right now. Maybe maybe that's him because Possibly. he's such so out there deep sleep. Uh, nobody's on him at pick 300. But now that he has a place, we'll see. A lot of times in the market with with these free agents, these kind of fringe free agents uh, or mid tier guys, I should say, not fringe. He, he's definitely a solid, great major league or whatever. But Going, knowing where they're going to go can be a big deal. Like we saw with Jeff Samarja. Anyone was worried that, oh, my God, if he doesn't go to a nice environment, no way they're going to draft him. Well, from the San Francisco signing, his average draft position probably moved up 50 picks immediately. And and so maybe we'll see Span now that we know where he's going to be, just kind of uh, settle in the market a little bit more. But he's not going to jump up too high, and it's certainly not going to be as high as Ben Revere. One last signing, not a huge deal, but uh, we, we – one of the guys that we differ strongly on, I got to bring up Edwin <laughs> Jackson to Miami. He's going to join his 54th team. I know there's only 30, but he's been on 54 of them. Um, it was a nightmare last year, no doubt about it. Only pitched 56 innings, ended up, uh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I was looking at his 2014 numbers. He was not a nightmare last year, but he only pitched 50, 56 innings. 307 ERA, 117 whip. Um, I think a lot of that, actually all of it was in relief. Didn't have, you know, the like strikeout rate boost that we usually see from guys who go in relief. Still only had a 68% left on base rate. I don't know. I could still see a second act for Edwin Jackson as a reliever, but that's not going to be fantasy viable because he's not going to close. I've always liked Edwin Jackson. That's really the only reason I brought him up, but you can't stand him. So I'll let you nope. hate on him for a few seconds. What, what do you think of Edwin Jackson in Miami? 14th season in the major leagues. 14, and he's only 30. I think he's only 30 he's 32. 32 yeah 14 years in major leagues that's Ooh. what happens when you get called up on your birthday to face randy johnson uh as a 19 year old 19 year old yes um no i don't see i mean this was league minimum i hope he saved some of that four years and 42 million dollars the cubs cubs gave him and yeah. then released him after two uh you know i saw our three so i hope that he saved some of that money and that would work out well for him uh, but yeah, league minimum, nothing to lose down in Miami. We've talked about how wide open that situation is down there with somebody like uh, Tom Kohler leading that team in strikeouts last year. Yeah, it's Obviously, Fernandez. Jose Fernandez is there, and, but it's you know king in this court. It's Fernandez, Adam Conley, and obviously Fernandez down 10 levels, Adam Conley down five more levels, and then you're talking about Tom Kohler, Jared Cozart, and right now Roster Resource has Jackson penciling in as a fifth starter. Why not? You know, uh, exactly. No, I, hear I, still you. Want, I still want absolutely nothing to do with him. You know what? I'm taking him in a 10-team league. He's leading my rotation. Book it. He's my front-end guy. Edwin Jackson, your beast. Listen, maybe it's because his best year was with the Tigers. I don't know. I could be influenced by that. I'll, I'll admit it up front. It's funny how that worked out. Edwin Jackson signs for a minor league, for a major league minimum, and the guy that he was traded for when he left the the Devil Rays, or actually no, oh, he was with the Rays. Matt one Joyce. Year. Matt Joyce is still unsigned and is probably going to end up with the same kind of deal. Same somewhere. kind. What if it was in Miami? That would be great. They could talk oh, about their experiences be, uh, on the other teams. 
Yeah, okay. yeah, that would be uh, that would be something. But uh, it's funny how those two things uh, two things worked out. It, it initially worked out well for both, and quickly faded. That's all right, though. Um, they'll they'll figure it out with Matt Joyce. Maybe he can get back to just crushing righties and not worrying about lefties. But he really fell off the map. All right, we spent way too much time on both Edwin Jackson and Matt Joyce. Let's do some Colette calls. You guys remember this from a couple episodes ago where I put Jason on the spot, make a few calls on a uh, on free agents where they might go, uh, give an estimate on some money. We're going to do it again, but first we're going to review one of those ones that you have because the guy's still unsigned. Uh, in fact, all three players that you guessed in that first one, it was Justin Upton, Chris Davis, and Howie Kendrick. They're all unsigned. But I want to come back to the Upton one because you put Baltimore 6-125. I just want to ask if you're holding on to that. Um, and I'm not saying that you should be influenced to go one way or the other. I just have heard nothing about him. So I kind of just want to get your status update on Justin Upton because I'm hearing zilch. The only thing we heard about him is yeah, I saw a radio report the other day that uh, Jeff Passan had said that Upton was considering a one-year pillow deal. And his agent came out and said, no, we're not. No, we're not. Uh, I got bills yeah, to pay, bro. But if, what are you holding out for at this point? The, your your options are getting slim. The, the you know the Giants have clearly moved on. By the way, the Royals yeah. have moved on. The uh, Nationals have moved on. Right? Yeah. From the market standpoint, uh, that we should have mentioned that about San Francisco getting spammed. That was a big close off to a lot of the bigger guys who they were thinking maybe the Giants will go with one more big deal and get right. a Cespedes or an Upton. That a hundred percent closes the door on it with Span. Yeah, so you got all these guys are going away. Uh, you know, these these opportunities are going away. So you're like, okay, now what do I do? Um, so I'm still putting him in Baltimore. Okay. I just I don't think the six one twenty five is is going to hold up anymore because he's lost his leverage. He really has. And 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 the other guys that I mentioned, Chris Davis, you know, he's lost his leverage. He I saw he Detroit was the last team I saw him tied to. I wouldn't hate it. I mean, I'm not even a huge Chris Davis fan. I, I don't know. I just want the Tigers to go all in for this year and maybe get a World Series so they can go. Well, into maybe that. they can get, you know, maybe maybe both guys can get an AAV of 20 million, but I don't think either of them signs anything longer than three guaranteed years. See, that's the thing, too. Honestly, I, I would like, you know, uh, selfishly because they're, they're, they're my crew, I would like the Tigers to go all out for like a three or four year deal on Upton and put him in left field. I would obviously prefer him much more to Chris Davis, but yeah, maybe, maybe kind of an overpay, but if it's three years, I wouldn't even care. First off, it's not my money. So I don't even care if it's 20 years, but as a fan of the team that wants them to have continued success, a three year, I don't know, 85, $86 million deal. I'll be fine with it. You know, just pay him hard right now. Pay him, pay him a bunch up front, uh, but don't make it a huge long-term commitment because that's the trouble that they keep getting into. So right. you'll, you'll keep Upton in Baltimore. Let's talk about two others. Yoannis uh, Cespedes, another guy affected by this market as it kind of continues to dwindle. Is he a center fielder? Will somebody sign him to be kind of a, a 60-40 deal where he plays a bunch of center but not fully? What's going to happen there? And then we'll get to weigh in Chen, but we'll start with Cespedes. Where, where are some options? I'll, I'll let you pick more than one team, but before pinning you down on one, and then what kind of money you think he's going to get? Uh, he's going to get less than Upton. Okay. Um, he may get he may get the extra year because once the Upton thing settles, then it's all his. But unfortunately, when you try to look for opportunities for him, going back to the Mets is is a clear one for him in the National League. But outside of that, nah. Um, you know, if you try to figure out the Rangers situation. I mean, they like the shields. They've got Chu. You've got Fielder at DH, but then you've got to do something with Hamilton. 
because uh, you maybe you look at something there in left field, but you know that may not hold up. I'm trying to think of people who have the money to spend. You know, Seattle possibly because they've got you know they made their they've got Martine they made that deal they've got Aoki but they and they've got Cruz, Cruz. playing DH so they've got some opportunity there. If the Yankees were going to do it by now, they would have. But you know, if they would, I think that would require them moving Brett Gardner. As there was a lot of rumors about that about a month ago. That hasn't happened. Um, I hope they don't uh, tie up the. I like the Aaron Hicks acquisition for them, uh, so I don't want to see that opportunity go away. So opportunity wise. I honestly don't know what else is out there unless the Angels say, you know what, the market's fallen to us. Let's go get them, uh, and and they try to and they try to make a buy. But other than that, I just don't see where it's, the agents here are going to have to get really creative, yeah, uh, and, and say, hey, you know, let, let's try to get something done here because there's just not. Or, or Cleveland. I mean, I would like to see Cleveland make that kind of buy. I just don't see him doing it. But if you can say, hey, let's go ahead and, and try to do this and, and see what happens, I think it would be uh, unique for them because you still got Brantley with the shoulder, and we've talked about the shoulder issue. The outfield situation is very sketchy uh, for them. They did add uh, Rajai Davis in the offseason, I believe. Am I right in that one? For Cleveland? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. They added him, but that's a role play. I mean, that's a role player. That shouldn't he take really you out of that. really should only play lefties, uh, against lefties as well. Right. So there's not, I mean, there's an opportunity, but the agents got to get creative. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what these contracts look like when Me it's too. all said and done, because the big deals, I don't see, I mean, uh, neither of them, the only Boris client is um, Davis, right? Yes. Or is there any Boris clients left? No, no, Davis definitely is one. I'm trying to think if there was another one that was identified recently. I'm sure there's several. It's not Upton. Upton's a Reynolds, and, and Cespedes is somebody else. Uh, well, I know Davis definitely is. I don't know all the okay. agents by heart. Uh, I know, I know the Reynolds. I know the Reynolds group has um has um them. Oh, uh, Cespedes is with uh, uh, Jay Z. Yeah, I was gonna say with Rock Rock Rockefeller. Rockefeller. I, I agree with you, by the way, that. These are going to be. This is going to be a really intriguing part of the market. I mean, obviously, all of it's interesting when when players are moving around, but specifically this part of the market because of the way it has really constricted. I think you might have hit on a really good sneak tip team though with Cleveland, because you mentioned okay, yeah, they got Rajay Davis, but he's going to play a role. Um, their other two outfielders starting right now, according to Roster Resource, Lonnie Chisenhall and Abraham Almonte. You know, yeah. yep. that, that's not scaring anybody. I know they're not they're not a super rich club, but I don't think they have very many big contracts at all. I mean, you look at all these guys, they're all kind of homegrown uh, or, or cheaper signings. You know, even the other signings like a Mike Napoli, that, you know, that's not expensive. Um, Carlos Santana probably making some decent money, been with them for a while, but nothing obscene. You got Lindor making peanuts. That's great. He's going to offer crazy value. You got that pitching staff that they have and the rotation. I don't know. I think that they would be primed to get one of these guys. Again, I'll, I'll go with the Upton because he, he's my preference out of this whole group. But any of those three, even Chris Davis, if they put him out and left and maybe move him around a little bit from first, if not Napoli's nicked or whatever, even maybe get him a little bit of third if they have to let him stand there. They could make it work with any of those big three. I'd like to see them uh, do that just to see how it'd play out. Again, going back to my my fandom, I wouldn't love to see it because I don't want the Indians to win the division. But they're going to be good, and uh, I think that that would work for them. So who who are you going to find? One, the only other one I can I can think of is the White Sox. But the problem is is that Adam LaRoche thirteen million dollars. You just you just can't let that go. 
Um, well, he's a, if you're going to trade it, you're going to have to find something. You know what they're talking about, though? At least I, I think there's been some rumors that maybe Avisail Garcia would get traded uh, in a situation. OK, where, that opens the spot. But yes. I mean, it, so I, I mean, that lineup could use that bat. That it could use it majorly. I mean, obviously, any lineup could use it. But think about the impact that a big bat like that would have. Any of those three names that we're talking about to go with Eaton, Melky Cabrera, Jose Abreu, Todd Frazier and Brett Laurie. And if you get anything from the corpse and LaRoche, now we're talking. I mean, you got five prime solid. I mean, their middle right infield is extremely light in the shorts. Extremely light in the <laughs> Brett, shorts. Brett Laurie and Tyler Saladino don't have you thinking 40, 40 combined homers. I mean, their their second base shortstop and third base may combine to hit twenty this year. May well, combine well, to hit Frazier's twenty. Todd playing third. Oh, I'm thinking. I'm sorry. I'm looking at something else. I forgot about there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. up the middle, up the middle. So, sorry. Because they've got they've got power at the corners now with the Brave Frazier's. I, I like the way their lineup's setting up. I don't think this is as big of a need as a, as big of a need for them as it is for Cleveland when you're looking at the the landscape of it. But Avisel Garcia, first off, he already has some plenty of detractors I, I like him i keep thinking that there's more but you know we're getting to the point where it's like you got to show something of course he is only 25 so i don't want to freak out too much eaton had a great second half cabrera got himself back on track he's that kind of right. prototypical number two so they've got a good top half of their lineup just think about how much it lengthens out with the addition of just one player though just adding just thump add- their way yeah just thump their way through the uh thump their way through the division if you if you bring in an assessment if you could bring in a Cespedes on a three-year a three-year guaranteed deal, that's not the worst thing in the world. I completely agree. I completely agree. All right. That's the only other thing, only other spot I can think of. Talk to me then about Mr. Wei Yin Chen. He's somebody who's drawing some interest uh, from a lot of clubs. Though you see it where they're, where they're saying this club's interested, this club. So when you got the the ten different clubs briefly being mentioned, that probably just means that they're all on. He's on all their boards haven't really seen a lot of movement with the lefty. He's been kind of that solid league average to a little bit above. And then last year it popped up a little bit, but it honestly looks like everything just kind of broke his way for a year. Because for the most part, if you're looking at the raw skills and the the indicators, the, the FIPS of the world, the Sierras, the fielding independent indicators, he's been the same pitcher forever, which is upper threes, low fours, very solid, Makes a lot of his starts. He's had a couple nicks and bruises here, but 32, 23, 31, 31 starts. He's going out there, taking the ball. That's very valuable on the major league landscape. We know that. Fantasy, we'll get to in a minute. But what do you think about Wei Yin Chen's market and where he's going to sign? What's taking so long? I, I don't, that's the thing. I don't get it because, honestly, one of the teams that already signed a lefty and has 20 other lefties I thought would have been a good fit. I honestly thought maybe that the Dodgers were going to go there once they started – you know, they lost Granke and Price and things just weren't working for them. Then the Iwakuma thing breaks down. I thought they were going to go with Wei Yin Chen. Um, they went with Casimir instead, Casimir and Maeda. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's taking so long. Again, this is a profile that's – nicely valued on, on the MLB market. Again, if we, we got to take it out of the fantasy mindset because well, the stare it's not at it, special. Look at it. All right, well, Casimir, three years, 48 million. Half, three years, 36 million. Mm-hmm. I would want I want Casimir over Chen, but I want Chen over, over half. Why can't we just go 342 and I, stick I him know. right in the middle? I don't know. What if he's fighting for so he, Maybe he wants the extra. Maybe he's holding out for the extra year. Yeah. But... <laughs> I don't know if I'm willing to give him the extra year, but what I'm looking at is like, why is this taking so long? Why can't we just say, you know, stick this? Maybe it's the fourth year, but that's where I value him. Um, you know, when you look at potential homes for him, 
I'd like to see Houston get involved. Okay. To put, there. By the way, speaking that, of I mean, Casimir, money shouldn't they'd be kind of replacing him. Yeah, I mean that that money shouldn't that shouldn't kick him out. But Keiko fires McHugh McCullers, and then the fifth spot's wide open. Is that expensive for a you know for whatever? Yeah, but you can slot him. You can put him th- uh, three and let McHugh and, and McCullers pitch down. That's Not a problem would, there. Um, I would go Keiko. Honestly, I'd go Keiko McHugh Chen. Uh, McCullers fires in that sort yeah, of yeah right setup. left right left yeah. you know something like that uh there should be I think this really has to be the, the extra year thing because there's a there's a few places that could use him a few people that have the you know that have the cash Houston would be one of them um something else I was looking at earlier uh who was the other team another American League team item slotted for Go to the White Sox if they want to go the other direction they could use another pitcher um yeah the Cubs if the market falls to them you know, their, their fifth starter situation, when you look at Arietta Lester, Lackey, Hamill, and then you've got Hendricks, you know, which way do you go with him? Um, Edwards, you know, they, they've got a couple options there. So, you know, it really has to be the extra year thing. But so, uh, if, if he were to say, I'll settle for 336 and do the uh, do like a, a player option for the fourth or a, a performance option, I think a deal will be done tomorrow. What are you saying then about 340? Because you said 342 initially. And 342. Okay. I'll stick with 342. Okay. I did. I think it's the fourth. I just. I think it's the fourth year that's holding things back here. He wants the extra year, and I can't blame him for going for it. So your 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 favorite of those teams that you mentioned is Houston, then. Yes. Okay. I think it totally works because currently uh, Scott Feldman slotted in there, and you know I, I I don't know that he's blocking off anybody, and I think maybe I'm speaking incorrectly, but I feel like Scott Feldman's done some relief work in his career that it wouldn't be much of a transition, you know, to kind of make him that swingman long reliever type. Yeah, he's def he's definitely made some relief appearances. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna be sending Wei Yun Chen to Houston. We got Cespedes. Where did you what what team did you decide for Cespedes? The White Sox. White Sox. And then you're keeping Upton at Baltimore. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll keep these updated. Next up, Jason, we're going to talk a little bit of strategy. We're going to start doing this uh, with a little bit more regularity, kind of whether it's a question from somebody on Twitter or just something that we come up with, just talking a little bit about the strategy of you know team construction or in-season management, whatever it may be. Obviously, right now in the, in the dead of winter, we're talking mock drafts. And I got a question for you. How do you use mock drafts as a tool for your real drafts, considering, A, you're unlikely to be mocking with your league mates, uh, and even if you are, maybe a couple of them, you know, maybe three of you get together and, and, and get with eight other randoms or whatever the case may be. But also, if that mock format doesn't perfectly fit your league dynamics, how are you still drawing value out of mock drafts, um, even when those two factors are in play? I like trying out different strategies with things to see where, where things are falling um, to see if there's any kind of recency bias coming on. So if a guy is up watch where a guy is now, and then after things have settled to see where the market has shifted on him, uh, that's really it. I mean, I, I, I like going into mock drafts just to start trying different things out making sure I've got, especially ones that are on quick timer. So you're like, okay, let's get going. Let's try to make it uh, quick so you can rely on your thoughts and not have to worry about what you can look up. Um, but that's really where I play with them. I like that then. Okay, that, that that's definitely good. Make make different team constructions. Maybe go against type too. If you have a certain type of team that you like to build, maybe switch it up a little bit. One way that I like to utilize them is something that I outlined in a recent piece 
where I'm, I made a I made a do not draft list, and these were actually a list of guys that I like though. That that was kind of the twist on it. And then I made sure that I did not take those guys because I kept taking them in the earlier mocks that I was doing, and I'm not really right. gleaning any info about how the market values them. I just know where I was comfortable taking them. So I took this list put them off to the side, let the market take them, and then you get a better feel. Kind of compare that to where you've been taking him and move on from there. So I think that that's a really valuable way uh, to utilize them as well. So we've got two different answers. Try different strategies, build different team construction, where you're talking like power-focused or pitching-focused or speed and batting average heavy, whatever you want to do, just try different things. And then maybe take away a few of your targets, your prime guys that you, you know who you're loving and, and gravitating towards. Take them off your list for a couple of drafts. Figure out what other people are doing because maybe you're overpaying a little bit uh, by you know four or five rounds, then you can wait a little bit longer. But if they're drafting them right around you, even a round or two later, then you know that the price that you're paying is adequate. Right. And the other thing, one of the other things I would think of, I, f- I forgot to mention, is sometimes if, if I know I'm going to, you know, let's see how let's see how far I can go or how long I can go without drafting a certain position. Like if I'm like, uh, you know what, I'm not going to I'm going to wait to draft catchers. How low, you know, how late can I truly wait? Or if I'm going to wait to take my, you know, I'm going to draft a second baseman. But I think, you know, shortstop is just so bad. What instead of instead of going out and uh, and grabbing, you know, going reaching out and saying, OK, I only like about four or five shortstops out there. So let me go get one real quick before they go away. If I do let them go away, what's left? You know, those guys rather than based on the numbers, because there's still so much, you know, so much range uh, right now. And where guys are being the high and the low end of them being drafted. Exactly. So, you know, try it out, exercise and say, OK, if I'm if I'm going to wait to draft my closer, especially in American League with a stupid depth oh, this God. year, yeah, you know, how much can I wait? How much can I wait to draft? Can I can I really you know, if everybody else is taking closers, is it cool if I just wait it out? Because, you know, in a 15 in a in a 12 team AL league, if everybody's going to get one, uh, you know, your one is still going to be pretty darn good. Exactly. Uh, you know, with that. So. Exactly. Um, it's funny that you mentioned catchers specifically on that, because I, I wrote down a couple of these strategy questions to have kind of in, in the tank for the next couple of weeks. And one of them was kind of your draft approach to catchers. So maybe we'll hit on that next week because it's a really interesting pool this year the way it's broken down Posey's so far ahead of the rest um and then you got you know Schwarber Lucroy and then kind of a group of guys so maybe we'll talk about that next week but next up we're gonna do a couple Twitter questions I mentioned out front where you can hit us up on Twitter at Sporer at Jason Collette C-O-L-L-E-T-T-E you can send your questions in I'll set up an email as well because honestly I'd like to warehouse them that way much easier because if honestly if you tweet a question today uh, for next week's episode I might not I might not get it so let's just be honest about that so maybe I'll set up an email and that'll make it easier but for today it's Twitter we're gonna start with Evan Peterson that's at easy ev3 says listen Alex Cobb is at a 106 starting pitcher NFBC uh, (laughs) in the NFBC is the 106th pitcher off the board any news on him and where we could see him going uh, if we start getting positive reports all right Jason before I let you answer I want to let everybody know Alex Cobb went out last year in May with Tommy John surgery. He's expected back mid-season this year. Last news we really saw of him is that he was actually discussed in a potential Javier Baez deal so 
I, I did pick this one because of you know your familiarity with this club. You you stay very up on what's going on with the Tampa Bay Rays. So I want to know, and I love Alex Cobb, but I'm he's off my board this year. I don't really draft TJ guys, TJ returners. But what do you think of of Cobb? I think you laughed because that's way too high. Yeah, I okay. love him like a son, but that's ridiculous. There's no, he is not going to come back until August at best. You are looking at fewer than ten starts out of him. It's worthless. In a reset league, he is pretty much useless. Yeah. Unless you have a bench and you can draft and stash, but you're looking at you're looking at maybe at the most ten starts out of him. Okay. There's absolutely no reason for him to be going anywhere in the top three fifty. No. Okay. Zero. I, I I totally agree with you. By the way, we I don't think we ever talked about that potential deal. Obviously, it didn't come to fruition. But how are well, you? Uh, I at first I was like, ooh, but I mean the power potential is just so nasty when you think of Baez. But you know that kind of strikeout issue, yeah. the, the holes in those swings, pretty big. You know, after suffering for through Steven Souza Jr. for a year, um, no, I no, I I don't want that. But I mean the thing is. If you think about Alex Cobb going into this year, think about Matt Moore last year. Matt Moore had his surgery earlier. Matt Moore had his surgery in the uh, the mid April 21st, 2014. Okay. So he came back. He tried to talk his way back into the lineup early. I was I happened to be down in Florida um, at a Rays game uh, talking with some friends there because uh, I went in early to go say hi to a bunch of people. And they said, yeah, Moore was down there trying to talk his way. And we're looking out there in the mound. You could kind of see a, a discussion, like, you know, rather animated. It wasn't this, like, hey, you know, we just think you have to make one more start. He was trying to talk his way into doing it. And they sent him back to Durham for one more start. Then they brought him up. Then he got his brains bashed out and then for six starts. They sent him down. He came back up and was good um, over the, the rest of the season. So he tried to get his way back in early, and he didn't come back until June 3rd, and he sucked when he came back. So he Ju- wasn't even effective when he came back. No, it was July 2nd that he made that first start. On July 2nd, I'm sorry. So it was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a full week off the timetable. So that was, you know, 14, 15 months. Put the same thing on Cobb, you know, that puts him after the all-star break at best. I don't see it. You know, this is a, this is somebody who's still cheap too. They don't want to just get him, get him on the mound right away. If they've got an area of death that's starting pitching, there's no need to rush him back. Yeah, there, there is no need. They still haven't found it. They still haven't found a spot for Blake Snell to pitch in. I, I say, I say don't touch Cobb this year. No. I, will, I will be out there beating the drum for him in 2017. You can, you can mark it down barring another injury, but, but for this year, Move on. All right. Uh, next question. Mark Mark St. Amant, who we know. Uh, I know from Twitter. You know personally. You actually help uh, run one of his leagues, a story uh, that you've told before about how you go up there and help run this crazy great league. And he has a great question for us. He says, Jason knows I irrationally covet my closers. Any deep sleeper 30-plus save guys out there? So obviously, you know, something has to happen to get them in that role and get them in there in time to get 30 saves. But we're looking for those highly skilled middle relief types, Jason. I got a few names, but uh, I'm going to give the, the first one. And then if you got a couple, let me know. One that I've been loving, even though he's got probably two guys in front of him, to be honest, at least if based on history. But I love Hunter Strickland. I just think he's really got the closer attributes that you want. You know, throws super hard, has swing and miss. Doesn't allow homers. Again, I've, I've said this before. Don't don't get stuck on what you saw in the playoffs when he did have that homer fest. He does not give up homers over the long term. Regular season, right. hardly gave up any. But Santiago Casilla, 
is there. Sergio Romo's there. Casilla handled the role rather well last year, giving him credit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's 36. I, I don't know. I just – I don't see him necessarily holding up. Romo kind of been up and down ever since uh, – he used to be kind of a stud closer for them. Then he's kind of fallen back. He's going to be 33. I think that they're just going to stick with him in that setup role. I think Strickland could get it, and you only really have to get it by – Honestly, you can you can get 30 saves in the last four months if you're on the right team. But if you get it by mid-May, it shouldn't be that difficult to get 30 saves. So Strickland's my number one guy when it comes to those. Any guys jumping out to you that could really take control of the role, not just get it because of failure, but take it and be dominant with it. Well, you know, I think we talked about one of these last week with with uh, Carter Caps in Miami. We don't know what's going to go on with uh, with AJ Ramos if they try to trade him at max value or whatnot. That's mm-hmm. something. Uh, that I'm that I would keep my eye on the, the issue. One of the things that I would talk that I would look at is if you're going to find this guy, this guy is going to have to be in the National League because there's so much depth that American League closer. I mean, I'm, I'm writing this piece right now for Rotowire. Yeah, the worst, the the one job I think may go up real early is the Mariners' job because Steve Ciszek really didn't like what I saw out of him last year. And you've got Joaquin Benoit behind him, who's got the proven success. Really nice insurance policy. You could you could foresee something where Ciszek loses that job, Benoit gets it and keeps it, kind of thing. But mm-hmm. there is just way too much depth in the American League to say you know just to look at it and say. Oh, I'm going to draft this guy because I think he might get that safe speculation. I mean, this is my tier three. When I busted it up, I have Boxberger, C-Sheck, Ryan Madsen, Glenn Perkins, and Sean Tollison as the five guys down at the bottom. And look where Boxberger was last year, and look where Perkins has been historically. I I like Madsen quite a bit, but, you know, the the injury history is really tough to get over, and that's why I've got Perkins down there. Yep. Uh, so if you're looking for those guys, I would strongly suggest look in the National League to draft your setup, guys, because, I mean, the American League, when you look at that top six, when you're looking at when you're looking at Cody Allen, uh, Britton, Chapman, Davis, Giles, Kimbrell, there's top six right there, so and there's nice. not that much difference. I mean, Davis is in a tier by himself, but the other five you can make a case for. David Robertson, K-Rod, uh, now Drew Storen, uh, most likely with Toronto, and Houston Street. There's, there's plenty. So well, for me— Look in the National League. Even even still, I, I totally hear you on that, and we've been we've been actually pumping the AL closer pool for a while now. Even with that, I'm going to give a couple other names from AL just because they got some good guys. One I like a little bit more than the other. Nate Jones in Chicago I like a little bit more. Just think there's a, a smidge of daylight with David Robertson. He was still great last year. He is still great. I just need a smidge of daylight with Nate Jones. So that there's that one. This one, it's blocked off big time, but he's still great. It's Carson Smith in Boston. I don't know yeah. why Seattle got rid of him. He should be closing in Seattle, but that's neither here nor there. But he's behind Craig Kimbrell and Koji Uehara. But that's only kind of behind one and a half guys because Uehara, uh, his health is, is, is a joke. So I don't think Kimbrell's necessarily going to lose a job, though, so it's a pretty big speed bump, even if it was only one right. guy. But those are two names to keep on your list. I, I just want to bring up this one because he, he looks like he's signing as the, as the Korean closer, uh, uh, Juan. Okay. Oh, saying Juan. He looks like he's going to the Cardinals. Gentlemen. Looks like he's he's closed. What has he got? He's got 357 saves in the Korean League. Oh, wow. Um, 32 years old, you know, strikeout, his strikeout, uh, he's got more than a strikeout per inning. So, but he's got all those saves over in the Korean league. It looks like the Cardinals are adding, not that I think Trevor Rosenthal's in any danger of losing his job, but sure, if you look at one of these bad. cases, 
we, you know, we've, right. we've seen Rosen. I love Rosenthal. I'm actually a really big fan uh, of what he does at, at his best, but we've seen him kind of be wobbly. His 2014 yeah. was pretty dang wobbly across the board. Okay. That, that, that's a good name. They probably had to hack into Houston's database to get that name, but at least they got him signed. So congrats to, to Dude, them there. That, uh, that, thanks that, for the that, question. That, remember how easy people thought that was going to be like, Oh, this is not that big of a deal. Oh, oh, yeah. Oops. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a bit of a big deal. They need to lose draft picks. They, they absolutely do. They have to, it just has to happen. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how that one plays out. Best hackers in baseball. Really bad. B- best hackers in baseball. Not quite the best fans in baseball. Thank you guys for the questions, Evan and Mark. Again, please send more questions. I will set up an email so it's easier. So if you got a great question, maybe just hang on to it until I set up that email. If you got just an okay question, you can tweet it, and maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't before the next episode. All right, Jason, we're going to finish with a little bit off topic. I'm going to give you a few seconds, minutes, hours to talk about your Washington team in the NFL playoffs. Going to be Washington hosting Green Bay. Who even would have seen them hosting a playoff game, let alone making it? Give you a few minutes here. How are you feeling about the game? Because they're actually uh, like maybe just a one-point dog to Green Bay, which is kind of crazy. I know home teams are usually favored. How is a dog at home? I, I understand that. I understand that. But let's let's just go with can you even believe they're in the playoffs, let alone uh, you know at, at home? Can I believe they're in the playoffs? No. Can I believe they're in the playoffs with Kirk Cousins? Hell no. Um, you know, okay. if if things if if things go chalk, they're going to be playing. They'll be playing Carolina here next week. Am I going to go to that game? Hell no, because you need a, you need a bank loan to get a playoff ticket. <laughs> My uh, cousin's husband is coming down to stay with me because he is a huge Panthers fan, uh, and he got a playoff ticket from somebody who knows somebody who knew somebody who got him one at face value, wow. but he only got one ticket. Uh, and you know, considering I, it would be the oh, I'm just happy they made it this yes, far. Definitely. If they win, if they win this week and they have to play the Panthers next week, because in that game, either way, I would be happy because you know. If they if they pulled an upset, it would be tremendous. But you know, living in a city where you've got a team playing this far into the playoffs is is really cool. My kids have got Panther Pride Day on Friday at school, and they get to wear football jerseys. My daughter has a a, a Steve Smith a Junior, I guess it is a Steve Smith's jersey, and no, he's actually Steve Smith Senior. Senior, okay. He, he and my son, my son's got multiple ones. All right, my son's got multiple ones. Uh, Keekly and. And uh, oh, Keekly. Cam Newton, and he's got Julius Peppers. So yeah, he's got a whole bunch. I like that. So uh, yeah, I, I like forward. I like. So has he become more of a, a Panthers fan over over there? Oh, absolutely. I never forced Washington on him. Never. I, I just it, you know it's a three generation thing for me. I never I let him choose his own team. Uh, and you know in second grade he was a big Panthers fan, a uh, big uh, Patriots fan because his teacher was. But since we've moved up here, it's been all about the Panthers. I like it, and I like that you're not. I don't like when the, when the parent tries to force. The kid who'd like, let them let them build their allegiance however they want. I ended up going hometown. My dad doesn't even love all the hometown Detroit teams the way I do. He he kind of veered off from his dad, my grandfather, and made his own picks. And so he let me make my own, and they just happened to be the home teams. Uh, so that's great. No, I, good luck to your team. Hopefully they win. Um, tough to go against Rodgers, though. I mean, I know that I know that Green Bay has not been playing well. I 100% admit they've been playing like dog crap, which is why uh, Washington probably should be favored. But 
I just can't bet against Aaron Rodgers. So hopefully it's at least a close, good game, though, because yesterday's were snooze fests. The 30 was a nightmare. And even the 18-16 game is close. But as I said on Twitter, don't confuse close with good. That was a nightmare at the end. And for most of the game, it was pretty dang boring. So it wasn't even a good game. Haven't really been watching the first half of this Seattle game. So let's get at least one gem, and hopefully it's your ball club pulling pulling a W. And I put this at the end for people who hate football. They could just have turned it off a few minutes ago. But if you stuck around, you know, and I'll be back next week uh, during the week. And then Jason, and I'll be back in a week on Sunday, unless you're traveling. You're good. You're good to go next week. I am good to go because it's a holiday weekend. I don't travel. I have to go to Boston a week from Tuesday. All right. So cool. I will be home because my wife will be out of town. She's the one traveling and she's got to go to San Diego for a, a work conference. So I, uh, I go to bad. Orlando tomorrow. I go to Orlando tomorrow morning. Uh, and I get home Thursday night. She leaves Thursday morning and gets home Monday. Well, safe travels to both of you, and I will talk to you in a week, Jason. Yep.